okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes. Hello and welcome to So Good We Named It, the first Golden Girls and Golden Palace podcast and the first Golden Girls or Golden Palace podcast with black hosts as seen at Golden Con, Judge Mathis, USA Today, Associated Press, and all that good stuff. We have a very special guest today, the one and only Cindy Fee. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Hello. It's so good to see you again. We finally have been able to make this happen. And I do appreciate you joining us on this lovely day. Absolutely. Is it lovely, lovely where you are? It's snowing. No. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's freezing. how lovely. It was 74 degrees two days ago, and now it's snowing. I know. It was yeah. the same up here. You know, literally, I'm sitting outside, you know, having my coffee in the morning, and now we're back to snowing. So, okay. Lovely. Um, so for those of you that don't know, and I don't know how you could be listening to this podcast and you don't know who that is, but she sings the wonderful theme song, our anthem. Thank you for being a friend on The Golden Girls. And just to get started, I do want to ask, how did you end up singing a TV theme song? Um, at the time that the theme song was done, I was a session singer in Los Angeles and, and uh, singing a lot of commercials, a lot of records, and uh, theme songs when they came up. And back then, what would happen was the summer before the network started, um, you, the shows would go online, you would, uh, I would be called in to sing theme songs, and you never knew what was going to go, what wasn't going to go. And uh, that particular year, I was lucky enough to get called in to sing that particular song, and the rest, you know, is history. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know how connected you are to that part of the industry still, but with so many shows now not even having a real theme song, has that made a big impact mm -hmm. on singers? Because that's something that used to happen a lot? Um, yeah, I don't know if it's even necessarily on TV shows, but certainly on commercials. You know, they, over the years, commercials and TV uh themes have gone through sometimes they wanted singers sometimes they didn't uh and we're kind of currently in a phase where they're not really using that many singers on tv theme songs or even commercials so yeah it's certainly changed everything's changed a little bit in the industry you know but that's kind of the nature of the industry mm -hmm. you know things change so well in speaking of um, commercial jingles when i was doing a deep dive into your discography and all the different songs and things. I saw Nobody Does It Like You. Is that you on the vacuum commercials? Oh, yeah. I was under contract. <laughs> I never knew that that was you. That is so crazy that all these years I heard it and I will still randomly sing it just because it's stuck in my head and I never put two and two together. What else do you sing? Are you the Glade plug-in lady? No. Uh, <laughs> from the I sang the original Come on in, take a seat. I'm going to tell you what the big boys eat. The original Wheaties campaigns uh, wow. won several Cleos for that, which was a fun campaign because it's the first time they actually used uh, a commercial, uh, you know, on the Wheaties box on something that people could go out and purchase. So, and that was fun because that continued for a lot of years as well for various different athletes. Wow. That was, that was mm. a fun one to do. I also sang Get On Your Pontiac and Ride for Pontiac. That was a huge campaign twice, once in Los Angeles, and then they pulled it out again in Chicago many years later. You know, a lot of commercials. You know, not that I like their politics, but I sang mm -hmm. the original Chick-fil-A. 
uh, ads. So I've I've just sung really over the years. I've sung a ton, a ton of commercials. Wow, so. that must be weird. You're walking through the house and you just hear yourself come on the TV just out of nowhere. Yeah, it's... although in the case of the Golden Girls, you know, um, that's been a lovely thing because it's certainly been something that people that I love and you know that people know me can kind of check in every day even if they haven't heard from me for a while they can hear me sing every day so that's that's Aww. a nice little way to be able to reach people you know so. that's really cool I actually found you on Facebook years ago way before we were doing this and I messaged you and I was like oh my god I can't believe I found you I feel like I've heard that song more than any other song in my whole life you did respond and you were like oh thank you I'm sure like and she's probably like who's this weirdo that found me but <laughs> I well I've certainly had my stories that's for sure mm. I remember up here being uh, followed around in a blueberry patch while I was picking blueberries <laughs> by someone who had been told I sang it you know and and normally I'm pretty open about you know, I don't, you know, I don't talk too much about what I do, but you know, if someone's really a big fan, you know, I'll sing a little bit of it for them. But this person was so annoying. It was like, <laughs> I felt like you're the last person I'm ever going to sing this song for. I just want to pick blueberries, please. You know? Yeah. I, I can imagine. I know Whoopi Goldberg says somebody stuck something under the stall in the bathroom for her to sign. And she's like, okay, at oh this point, God. that's a bit much. <laughs> Um, I, I did see you at the Betty White Memorial, and that also was before we were doing the show. And I was trying to get to you, and people were swarming you, and I was like, oh, I got to get over to Sydney Fee. And then you were whisked into this uh, into the theater, and I was like, oh, there's my one chance, not knowing we would end up at Golden Con, and you would be mm -hmm. on here. Um, how did you get involved with the Betty White Memorial and Golden Con? Well, a friend of mine who lives in, in Oak Park, where Betty White is originally born, uh, had met a woman that worked for the paper, Melissa Elsmo, mm -hmm. and uh, mentioned to her that, you know, she was saying, oh, we're, you know, we're getting ready to have this big Betty White tribute. And my friend said, well, my friend Cindy Fee sings the theme song, you know, and it was, you know, your typical mm -hmm. get out of town, you <laughs> know, but. Uh, so she, she asked if she could give Melissa my number and, um, uh, you know, I said, sure, of course, you know, I'm always happy to talk about the golden girls. And I ended up doing a podcast with her and then being set up originally that celebration in Oak Park was going to be a celebration of her hundredth year birthday. Mm -hmm. So I was slated to come and sing for that. But then of course, you know, when she died a few years, a few weeks prior to that, they turned it into a memorial. And part of the reason, if you remember that day that they whisked me inside is it was probably what, three degrees? Yes, it, it was, was freezing. Really I had my fur cold. coat on, not real fur. If anyone sees me, wants to throw something on me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, I felt like I was at church. Like when you were singing, everybody's waving their hands. And I was like, wow, this is really like a, a spiritual movement just, you know, for Betty and the Golden Girls. And I don't know if you felt that on your end. Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you remember that performance, I sang it once and then I saw so many people m singing along with me in the audience that I then said, let's sing it again together. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, you know, the Golden Girls, had, is, I don't know if there's ever been any other show that's inspired the kind of loyalty and the kind of caring that the Golden Girls has done. And for me in particular, what's interesting is that when I did sign on and I had already met Zach Hudson, the gentleman that put on GoldenCom, uh, and in fact, I invited him to the Betty White uh, Memorial and he came and spoke then. And what's interesting to me is 
how many different, you know, I assumed when he hired me to come do the first Golden Con, I just thought mostly it was going to be old people. <laughs> That's what I thought. And I was so surprised that it wasn't. It was, it was people of all ages, people of all, you know, uh, sexualities, just a whole grouping of people. And yet when you really look at the show, part of that is because the Golden Girls was was so early maybe the first tv show to talk about things like homeless to talk about you know someone being gay you know they did things that really weren't shown on other shows so mm -hmm. it kind of inspired a lot of people i believe early on well well i guess you're the reason that we were at golden con now that we have this backstory because i was recording you singing and then I sent that to Zach once I saw him speaking and I said, oh, hey, I was here and I got some videos of you speaking and Cindy singing and we'd love to participate in some way. So thank you for your contributions, all the people behind the scenes that got us there, I suppose, because if you hadn't gotten him there, we wouldn't have seen him and look at us now. It was meant to be. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> so once you were, you know, at Golden Con and seeing what it ended up being, what was that like? Like, did you feel like, wow, this is more than just a fandom? These people are, you know, obsessed as I am anyway. Well, what I thought about Golden Con was that I can't remember if I've ever been in such a love fest mm. because it was three days of incredibly wonderful people being incredibly wonderful to everyone. You know, you did usually in big groups like that, there's going to be some people that are a little strange or some people that don't quite get along. But I didn't find any of that at Golden Con. Uh, every single person I met was a lovely person, interesting mm. and interested. And I felt that, that it was really special. I'm not sure you'll ever find anything that is that kind of fandom again. You know, it's, it was just to me was very different from, you know, from what I'd seen in the past. And I thought it was wonderful. In fact, at the very end, I had a couple of my girlfriends there with me because my husband was out of town. And at the very end, it was really when I when I checked out of the hotel, it was like, I don't want to go back to the real world. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to leave this behind because I'm sure you guys had the same experience. It was an amazing experience. It was. Yeah, it was wonderful. Barrett always says it felt like he was inside of his television <laughs> while we were at Golden Con. And um, just, just like you were saying, the it was so warm and loving and everybody was just so nice. And it was like wonderful. It was really amazing. It's something I've never experienced before. So I was really happy that we got to um, be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it was so nice to meet you all there as well and to see all of these little things that are spinning off because that show does mean so much to so many people. You know, I, I would assume as young as you guys are, it was a parent or a grandparent, someone that got you into the show originally. Um, I'm one of the few people that was watching it independently. Almost everybody else, it was their mom and their <laughs> grandma. But because I liked Mama's family, I think I saw them as I was flipping the channels. And I was like, oh, it's Aunt Fran and it's Ellen. Because I could only watch like old shows like that. My mother didn't want me watching you know, Ren and Stimpy, The Simpsons. And that's mm -hmm. what got me into <laughs> it. Um, but Kay, wasn't it your mom? Yeah, it was my mom. She was watching it one day in her room. And I was like, what is this about? And then that's how I got to watch it. Yes. Well, I, um... it's a pretty fascinating show. And one thing that's very interesting now is that I am the age, because I did it when I was very young, I am now the age that they were when they recorded it. So, wow. you know. It's you pretty... look wonderful. Really? Oh. You look wonderful. Still oh, a kid, you. basically. 
Um, well, <laughs> Golden and, Girls has been very good to me all these years, you know, so thanks to my union, which is, you know, mm -hmm. I'm union proud, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful show, you know, it is a, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't watch it that much in the beginning and somewhere along the line, I think I was at the gym one day and I, and it was on and I thought I'm going to watch it. I haven't seen it for a while. And it was an episode where B. Arthur found out the man she was dating was married. And of course, mm. you know, the Rue McClanahan character, you know, go for it, you deserve it. The <laughs> Betty White character, no, it's wrong. And I thought, here is why this show is still on the air. This yeah. is something that every woman and probably even many men face in their lives, you know? I mean, it's mm. it doesn't matter how old you are, that's happened to all women. So the episodes tend to be kind of timeless. That's what I think. Mm. Has that happened to UK? You know what? That's a conversation for another episode. But, but no, <laughs> relatable. <laughs> Well, I, I like that you are into it because a lot of times in the industry, you see people that have a long career, but there is one obscure thing that people latch on to and they don't like it. Like, well, look at all this other stuff I've done. But you seem to appreciate, even though younger people like us, this might be what we know you for. And now the vacuum cleaner commercial and not all the mm -hmm. other great things you've done. Well, it's it's kind of I was thinking about this uh, a year or so ago. I lost my vocal coach and those of us that have always studied with him. He always records tapes. And when you're warming up, you put on the tape. So every day you get to hear Robert, someone that in my case, I was very close with, was a good friend of mine. And I thought how wonderful for me that he has been in my life and all of these other people's lives, you know, for so long. And the Golden Girls are kind of like that. You know, they've been, you know, you can, you know, maybe some people might say, oh, I wish I was known for other things because I've certainly done all kinds of different things. But to me, once again, the fact that that it can come on and it can be something that's familiar to people, both people that I know and people that I don't know, that it can mean so much to people is, is pretty incredible to have something like that. I uh, just came back from a weekend last weekend. I was inducted into my high school Hall of Fame in oh. Raytown, Missouri, which is a suburb of Kansas City. And overwhelmingly, despite all the stuff I've, I've done over the years, that is the one thing that everyone knew. It meant something to them. So mm. I mean, that's pretty lovely to have something like that, that you can be that connected with that. Because people, you know, someone will say, well, have you ever done something I'd know? And I'll say, well, you know, okay, I sang the Golden Girls theme and they're like, get out of town, you did not. Because <laughs> everyone knows it, you know, even if they didn't watch the show, everyone's heard it and everyone's seen at least one episode. So it's, yeah. it's part of history to be proud of, I think. And um, you say Raytown, that's where Mama's family was based on, Raytown, Missouri. So it's again, full circle, it's all connected <laughs> there. I'd forgotten that, that's funny. Wow. It's funny that, that Mama's family would be coming from there because you know, gosh, you know, now it was wonderful to go back and see that it's, you know, that it's integrated, that there's people of all kinds there. And the kids were incredible. I spoke to both high schools. But back when I was in the day, it was not that way at all. Mm. You know, it was very white bread suburbia. So so the Harpers mm. uh, were, that was an accurate representation, man, I guess, at that time. Yeah, probably. Well, I think you probably got some new fans because I know for me, when you were on stage and I was recording, I thought you were just going to sing the Golden Girls theme and my phone was dying. I was on like 1%. I'm like, oh my God, I hope I can last until then. But I did not know you at the time had all those other songs. I'm sure there's other people probably our age that did not know that. So if anything, you're bringing new fans into your other work 
through the Golden Girls when we may not have known that otherwise. So I think, you know, we're probably going to be downloading it and going to concerts now that we know it's you, if anything, just because people <laughs> love you. And that's just the power of Golden Girls. I'm sure you could come out there with an accordion and tap dance and they'd still <laughs> love it just because it's well, you. Well, it was a pretty wonderful audience, you know. I mean, I, you know, everyone was completely enthralled, you know. And part of that has to do with Zach because when he first hired me for this, I kind of thought, okay, you know, I went back over the show and I thought, okay, what songs were on the show? And I did include a few of those songs in my concert, but Zach basically was like, no, no, no. We want to know what you've been doing all these years. Mm. We want to hear Aww. your, we want to hear your own music. And I thought that was, that was lovely. And it did give people a more rounded version of what I do that I wasn't simply just this one trick pony that I had done many, many different things over the years and still continue to do. Yeah, it was the Cindy Fee concert series. I was like, okay, wow. And you mentioned shows, um, songs on the show. I saw that you sang Brother Can You Spare a Dime? And I was going to ask you, was that you on that episode as well? It was not. Wow. Although many people thought it was, and I still don't know. Because I actually, they gave me credit for it, and I'm kind of going, well, <laughs> that's not me. So I don't know who <laughs> actually did it, you know, originally. But, um, you know, I certainly got a lot of press for that. And, considering I didn't do it. So. Wow. Well, Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries, this is your next uh, right. episode, finding out who did that. Um, there you go, there you go. At what point, I was surprised it didn't come up at right. some point. Um, at what point did you realize the phenomenon that this was, and it wasn't just a theme song, it was an, you know, a, a movement? When did you realize that you know, once it was on the air? Well, probably not until the shows went into reruns because, you know, there's lots of shows that are, you know, that are, you know, that stay on the air for, you know, back then, you know, six, seven, I was seven years, mm -hmm. you know, but in, but for it to stay in reruns the way it stayed and to steadily grow in popularity, I know the the pandemic made it even explode even more because all of a sudden everyone was watching TV. And so all of a sudden it was available on all of these for downloads on all of these different networks, not just, you know, cable TV, you know, it was, you know, everybody had it from Hulu on down. And so the fact that, you know, that the viewership, I knew that it had increased, you know, hugely because all of a sudden my checks started doubling. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know? that's one way <laughs> for know? sure. Yeah. Right. So, nice announcement. <laughs> yes, it was a nice way. I kind of thought I kind of felt guilty that, you know, everybody's suffering through the pandemic and I'm kind of going, well, except financially, I'm not, you know, <laughs> but, you know, that also is good because it introduced a lot of people, uh, young people to the audience and young people have always um, watched that show. Uh, watch parties in college. My uh, oldest son came home from his first semester at Southern Illinois and came home and he goes, well, it finally happened. And I go, mm -hmm. what? And he goes, mm -hmm. I walked into a party and someone said, hey, there's that kid whose mom sings the Golden Girls theme. <laughs> he was kind of like, thanks, mom. And I'm going, well, you should be thankful because it's helping put put you through college. Yeah. So, you know. Exactly. If it was me, everyone would know. I'd have it on T-shirts, all types of stuff. <laughs> all uh, right, my mom is Cindy P. I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> what did you think when you first saw Aaron's version that went viral? With the oh, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I thought it was just great. And, you know, there had been people singing along with it. Uh, you know, I and everybody always sends me that kind of stuff, you mm -hmm. know. So there had been other people that had done that. But Aaron's was so unique and so interesting. And 
And boy, to meet him during, because Zach called and said, do you mind if he comes on stage with you? I'm like, oh, heck no. I, you know, I thought he was lovely. And he was just this down to earth. I mean, he looked a little bit like a deer caught in the headlights. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously, you know, he's in the midst of all of these people. Me, the people that, Marsha, whose birthday it is today, I believe. Oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday. Marsha. Uh, you know, people that have been involved with the show. And all of a sudden for him to be there was, you know, something for him. And he was just gracious and lovely. And it was, and I'm always happy to, to help in any way with new young talent, mm -hmm. you know. And I hope that it's a springboard for him for much to come because he's obviously a wonderful singer. He is, and he he was definitely super shy. We had him on the show, and he was saying how mm -hmm. you really helped him when you were practicing, yeah. and you were like, hey, do it this way, do it that way, and he was just, you know, glad to be there, and it was mm -hmm. great to see you both together, and I think I had asked while we were there, but just for the people listening, what's the holdup with the, the single? Is it just the Andrew Gold estate? Um, yeah, Andrew Gold, well, the Andrew Gold estate, it, you know, is a little bit strange about that, and... You know, they've, they've, it's never been released as a single, probably because Disney only bought the rights to use it uh, as a, um, you know, as a TV theme. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're very clear about what you can and can't do. Um, and also the Andrew Gold, I mean, he had a single on it. And so, you know, I, lo I know his estate, they lost him, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago, he died of cancer. And I think that they, you know, there was always a, I don't mean to say a little bit of, like, you know, they felt like Andrew's version should have been the one that was, you know, front and center. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was kind of how it came back to me. But, you know, that's just kind of the way the industry works. You know, nobody knows, just like the show, no one knows when, you know, that year, who knew what shows would go, you know. And yet, once it went on the air, it was very clear why it was there, because it was special. You know, it was a very interesting show and and kudos to the writers to come up with because, you know, in today's world, can you see them putting a show of, you know, four women that are 60 plus something? No way. No. You know, that wouldn't happen in today's world. And yet they were smart enough to see that there was an audience of people that would appreciate that. And certainly in the music industry, you know, it's that way as well. You know, stars when they're young, you know, when, you know, you see in the, on the female side of things, you know, men retain their box office appeal, you know, much, much later, but women know they're replaced, you know, at an yeah. earlier age, you know, it's just different. So how they think, you know, audiences are going to respond. And in reality, the Golden Girls should have shown those people that there's a huge market of the untapped market, you know, so, you know, th that's a long winded answer and mm -hmm. kind of going off topic a little But You know, I think that part of the reason there never was a single is that it, you know, it isn't necessarily that they want a new thing of that. They just want that. Um, I re-sang the song for the movie Fresh about a year and a half ago and Disney the reason I re-sang it is that Disney would not give them rights to use the song even though it was a Dis fresh was a Disney movie because they felt it was not you know in keeping with the Disney logo you know they didn't so what had to be done they wouldn't let us use the original them use the original recording so I get a phone call and they say is this Cindy Fee can you do you still sing and I said, yeah, I still sing. And they said, well, could you re-sing the Golden Girls theme? And I said, well, certainly the song's not that hard to sing, mm -hmm. but if you want me to sound like the original, well, you know, the original was done almost 40 years ago, so everyone's voice changes over time. But, you know, I'm enough of a studio, you know, singer. I've done enough of it in my life to be able to know how to, you know, listening to it, okay, it's, 
the top end is is it was a little brighter back then in terms of what they had in recording equipment and my voice so i rolled a little off the bottom end of my voice and was able to do it to a point that it sounded just like it because apparently the 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 song itself the original golden girls recording was written in the script and so that was it was like an integral part of the script so that was fun to do that was an interesting little thing to kind of kind of mm. try to do what you did 35 years yeah. ago you know so can you be yourself, but not now? <laughs> well, we got we to gotta make that happen. I don't know if we need to contact President Biden. I don't know who's in charge of this, but we need this single with you and Aaron. And that is a, 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 a I guess, easy song to sing as far as me- for me, remembering the lyrics, because I'm terrible with lyrics. But I think I used that song for a show choir in high school. I know one year I did the Facts of Life theme, and I think I did the Golden Girls <laughs> the first year. And I did get in, so I guess it worked. Didn't oh, sound the you. same, but um, that's just so fascinating to hear all the behind the scenes because I don't really think about that. I'm sure most people don't. You just turn on the show and you're like, okay, here's a song. And I didn't even hear the full version for years because I was only able to see it on Lifetime. So when I finally heard your whole part about, you know, uh, if you threw a party, invited everybody you knew and all that, I'm like, oh, what is this? And it was like a whole new thing. Is there any more that we just haven't heard or is that the complete version? No, no, that's basically the complete version. We, you know, it would have to be re-recorded again. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think the song has a lot of verses, if I recall. You know, yeah, I, I think, think you repeated one of them in the like super long version. Yeah, I think, and I think that's why I did it because the song itself, and that happens sometimes in songs. You know, someone just writes one verse and one chorus, and you know they love it so much they just sort of stay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it would be fun to redo it at some point. I at one point I. I thought about doing a different version of it when I was recording a record, but I figured that it would be to do it differently is not something that people would really want that they, cause the same way that they wanted me to come back in and record it the way I sang it with every single lick intact is sort of what people wanted at the time. But you know, that would be an interesting thing to do. I will say this, you mentioned president Biden, probably my, one of the coolest things that happened to me was when Betty white, I believe it was her, maybe her 95th birthday and Obama was in office. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember when it was all over social media that he recorded a birthday greeting to Betty White. And at the very end of it, he put headphones on and listened to me sing Mm -hmm. the song. And that was just thrilling, (laughs) you know, to know that I was in Obama's ears. Right. (laughs) Um, Another connection we have, I met him briefly when he was uh, running for Senator, I was already Senator. And um, I met him at some cookout thing. So. Me and you, we are like always one person apart. <laughs> there you Well, yeah, one, one degree of separation. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of our exclusive interview with Cindy Fee after a short message from one of our loyal listeners, Chelsea, all the way from Canada. Hello, Kay and Barrett. My name is Chelsea. I am an educator from Nova Scotia, Canada. Your podcast is my favorite Golden Girls podcast because I love the music in the beginning. You guys always make me laugh. It's captivating. You're really on point with like the storylines and you bring in your own personalities to it, a unique perspective. Love listening, you guys. You always make my day. I have been a Golden Girls fan since around 2010, 2011. The proposal came out and then, you know, Betty White exploded again. I discovered her from that, and a gal I went to high school with made this status on Facebook being like, oh, I'm watching the Golden Girls, and Betty White is in it, 
And I thought, oh, cool, I should watch it too. I loved her in the proposal. I was interviewed for Betty White's 100th birthday by my local television news station. That was a lot of fun. I am definitely a rose because I get excited over the tiny things in life. My favorite episodes would be Grab That Dough for number one because better late than pregnant, going on the game show, getting them in a new environment. And also for some reason, I've always liked Mary Had a Little Lamb. I think because it shows how nurturing the Golden Girls are and how well they cared for this young girl and how they do anything for everyone. For me, the Golden Girls is my comfort show. I watch it almost every day before I go to work. I feel like they're my best friends. I was a kid in high school and like all through school and I didn't have friends until later on in life. I never really had a group. So like when I've watched the Golden Girls, it makes me feel like I have my people. I have friends now, I promise. It just, it's a show that means so much to me. I would love to be on an episode and do a deep dive because you guys just seem like my type of people. You're kind, you're intuitive, you would love to have fun, and most of all, you're so passionate for the show, just like I am. So I wanted to say from afar, thank you for being a friend, even though we haven't formally met yet. Thank you for everything you do and for making Golden Girl fans like me that feel like outsiders in the world and social groups because I know so much about them and then to connect with you, you make all of that happen. So thank God for social media and podcasts and thank you so much and I hope I get to meet you guys. Take care, bye. And now back to our exclusive interview with Cindy Fee. <laughs> uh, when they did the Golden Palace, why weren't you singing that one? Uh, who knows, it was done quite a bit later and you know, it's just, I mean, the way that the industry works and still works to this day is that the the the, the company that is is was doing the Golden Girls they hired a music guy who did the music for the show, both the writing, you know, the music that was the source music, and then the theme song. And I would assume I don't know whether he found the Andrew Gold song or they already had it in mind, but then he hired me. And so it, it is. There are times that I'll get. Someone will request me in particular, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's just, okay, I think so-and-so would sing this song really well. And then you get hired, you go into the studio. So it's not, you know, it's not really as big a decision on high. It, it, you know, it's different than in acting. Although I guess you could say the music directors are kind of like the casting agents. You know, they're mm -hmm. the ones that are, you know, that are saying, okay, this person I believe would be good for that. So I dislike the Golden Palace version of the song. <laughs> There's room for I don't, both. You knew I had to. I don't <laughs> like it. I they're different. That one I feel like I'm on an island on vacation or something. <laughs> but well, don't you think it's also like we tend to associate songs with the first, you know, the version we hear that we like. I mean, look what happened with Coke too. So there's a That's perfect true. example. That's true. That's true. And it can be it can be different. Like for example, when I said I sang "Get on Your Pontiac and Ride" twice. 
I had sung it in Los Angeles with a, a singer that I worked with a lot, Mark Campbell. But then when it got redone in Chicago, they brought in another guy. I still sang it, but they brought in someone else to sing with it, probably because he was there, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some of it just happens to be, okay, you know, what can we do now? You know, how is it going to be now? How do we make it our own kind of, so to speak? So, well, yeah, I guess in that case it fits because the, the Andrew version fits better for Golden Palace and the version that you did for Golden Girls fits perfectly. So I guess. Well, that's not I, Andrew Gold. I guess Gold. if I heard. Huh? That's not Andrew Gold. Who is that? It's Chuck Negron. I just automatically put together the original with the Golden Girls and that's how I like to remember it always. And that's probably true because they wanted to make their mark. They wanted something a little bit different. And certainly yeah. a lot of that comes down on the production side a lot of that comes down from the people that are on the production side they want to make their own mark you know mm -hmm. they they want something that is theirs you know that they you know that they can say okay i did this rather than just repeating what's done before that makes so, sense too did you start singing because i'm sure many people say mom dad i want to be a singer and they're like yeah okay sure so for you how did you actually get into the industry beyond just a dream or hope um, well, I, I sang before I talked. Uh, mm -hmm. I, by the time I was three, I was singing little concerts for my parents, friends. I started making music. I sang in a trio in Kansas City uh, when I, the year after I was 14, sang that for two or three years every summer. And then I, and then I sang the first year at Worlds of Fun. And then I sang in a band. And by the time I was about a couple of bands, by the time I was about 20, it was that, you know, you basically at that point you go, okay, you know, back then it isn't like it is now where you can be wherever you are. Um, back then it was like, well, then you go to one of the major music centers. And for someone that wanted to be a recording artist, which is what I first thought I would end up being primarily, um, and I still have records, but, you know, it kind of, I was kind of lucky enough in some ways to go a different direction. So I moved to Los Angeles when I was 20 and I knew two people there. I was maybe the second of all the musicians I knew to go there. And uh, you just start, that's the thing about a music career. There is no set path. It's kind of, you just have to kind of follow different leads, go different places. I think the first thing that happened was there was a company called the American Songwriting Festival. And I sang a song for a friend of mine that he entered. And uh, unbeknownst to me, they picked it. Well, I found out is you know, when they, when they called me, but I won the best vocal performance. I didn't even know they had that in this particular festival. And then as far as how I started singing jingles, you know, um, I had been singing, com I had been singing songwriting demos for a, for a, a writer who is very, very famous today, Diane Warren, who's written a million hit songs. And, and at the time she was this young, probably a year, year or two younger than me, writer, artist that wrote all these tunes but she didn't really sing very well and she still was, is not known for her singing. So she hired me to come and sing all of her records, you know, all of her songs that she would then send to different artists to try to get a cut. And uh, while I was in the studio, she said to me, she goes, you know, the guy in the next studio does a lot of jingles. You should give him a tape. And I did have a tape with me. And so when I left, I ran in there, said who I was, said, here's my tape. Please listen to it if you get a chance and then was gone. In fact, later on, they laughed about going, was someone really in here? It was so fast. Cause you know, being the person that is, you know, putting myself out there has never been my favorite part of the gig, mm -hmm. but you know, it's something that's, that's, 
that has to happen. And a few weeks later, he hired me on my first jingle. And then a week or two after that, he took me to New York with him. He had a big uh, campaign that he was pitching his company for. And when we went out there, they didn't end up using him, but they loved my voice and then cast me as the new voice of Avon. So I started flying to New York uh, every other week to work to do the Avon campaign. And I did that for about, I don't know, three or four years. And then once New York started using me, all the LA writers were like, well, if New York's gonna use her, we've got to use her. So the rest is, you know, it just spearheaded from then. And part of the reason why I think I was very successful in jingles is, you know, whether I'm singing the Golden Girls, whether I'm singing a jingle, whether I'm singing a song, I don't change how I sing. I just kind of let the music flow through me and see what comes out. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not, I didn't plan on singing Golden Girls how I did. I just did. You know, I, I listened to the song, then I looked at the piece of music, and then I just sang. And, and I think that's why I've been very successful, because I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm just being who I am and sort of trying to step out of the way and letting the music flow through you. Because I, I think that's when the best art happens, when you mm -hmm. get out of your head, you know, and, and just let your emotions take over. I love that. I love that. Because a lot of times we see people trying too hard and you're like, why are you, you just, just relax and be yourself. <laughs> so I think that's a wonderful motto to have that you're just being yourself and just letting the music flow. I love that. Well, and also, you know, uh, as, as much as there are many singers I love that do a million licks and I've certainly done my fair share of them, you have to think about what you're saying, you know, mm -hmm. because, because a song, uh, is like a little mini play you know it ha emotionally it has its rising action you go to a climax and then you have falling action and so you have to really it, the singers that are just singing all these licks and not really paying attention and certainly we live in a soundbite world now so you see that a lot um it's really about making people feel something that's what music is meant to do. The best music touches you because you feel something. So, you know, really thinking about what you're saying, you know, in the, you know, thank you for being a friend. I mean, that song was perfect for that show because whatever they went through and they were three, so very, you know, the three younger and then the, the mama, th you know, four very different people, but they found a commonality in that they, that they loved each other and that ultimately they were friends. And that's, really to me i believe why the show has been so successful because we've all got people in our lives that are that to us mm -hmm. and i think you know for me i already told my husband if anything happens to me i want thank you for being a friend at the services and everyone has to sing uh, i told aaron that he's like i'll be too busy <laughs> crying i won't be able to sing anything but i think the passion in it you know when you hear a song and if you feel like the person singing it is really into it then it draws you in because why else am i eight years old listening to a hoover commercial and i'm like oh i gotta go grab one of these vacuums now because it's just you know, exactly right because it whatever it is and, and I was lucky because I was, nobody gave me commercials to sing that were kind of corny. You know, mm -hmm. I was given commercials, mm -hmm. like even the Hoover thing, I'm singing about a gosh darn vacuum, you know, <laughs> but you know, it's like, no, you know, I mean the double entendre of nobody does it like you, you know, <laughs> you know? and so it, that's, it, it did what was intended, which is make people go, oh yeah, if I get a Hoover, you know, I mean, and you put these, you know, advertising at, at at best and at worst is about putting subliminal ideas in our head mm -hmm. so that when we walk in front of a row of, you know, 
pasta sauces. Well, the one, you know, the one that impressed us is the one we remember from a commercial. Yeah. You know, so, you know, some of it, some of it's manipulation, but when it's done in the right way, it can be a very positive thing. So. And, um, yeah, like when you go on the Target, they play all the background music and you end up spending a million dollars when you only came in for milk. Sorry, I was triggered. And 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 they remember that. I still remember someone asking my young, my oldest son when he was real little what his mom did for a living. Uh, and he said, well, we were living in Nashville then. And he goes, well, let's see. She writes songs, but mostly she takes me to Target and Kroger. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like in his mind, yeah. that was the most important thing. You know, yeah. that was what my job was, you know, so because <laughs> you know, we all see things from our own perspective. So, mm -hmm. well, do you think that your um, genre of being in jingles and theme songs is underappreciated? Because for me, like when I was dating and guys would say, oh, what type of music do you like? I wanted to say commercial jingles, theme songs, because that's what I knew the most because I love TV. But I feel like it doesn't get the recognition. I don't think there's a jingles category in the Grammys. Uh, no, there isn't. Although they do have, um, they used to have, I don't I don't think they still have it. They used to have Clio awards were, which were awards for the best commercials. And I know, cause I won three or four of them, uh, com campaigns I sang on won those particular songs, although it wasn't necessarily, you know, the best singer, it was the best commercial. Um, yes. And it's certainly gone through different resurgences. Cause when I first started doing jingles, you know, when I first got very successful doing them back then, all the recording artists were like, we don't want our songs on commercials. You know, we don't want anything to do with it. Like it was a second class mm -hmm. of music. Uh, and then there came a point when they realized how much money was being made by those of us that did it and that they changed, they all changed their tunes. And then all of a sudden you started hearing celebrities doing commercials. You started hearing their songs coming out for commercials and, uh, and then artists themselves. I mean, it didn't, you know, 30 years ago, you wouldn't find artists, you know, doing car commercials and now they're all doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all, you know, that that's, you know, that's the power of advertising because it gets, you know, certainly in today's world where people remember and then they forget, you know, having your image out there, having your voice out there is a way to make people interested in the other things you're doing. So I think the power of commercials and advertising is that it does that. Speaking of advertising, here's a special message from our associate producer, Heather, to let us know that there's a hurricane coming. Did you know that hurricane season is its most intense between August and the end of November on the East Coast? Hurricane? And that hurricanes pack wind speeds of over 160 miles per hour and unleash more than 2.4 trillion gallons of rain per day? Hurricane. And that hurricanes are fantastic with passion fruit. Mm. Mm. Oh, I mean, that 40% of the hurricanes that hit the United States hit Florida. Oh my God, there's no phone. There's no call waiting. And that we're having a watch party. Hurricanes are coming. Right you are, Glenna. Join us next Saturday, November 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central for a live stream of the Golden Girls, Empty Nest, and Nurses as they get hit by a hurricane. We're gonna die, we're gonna die, we're gonna die! Daddy, she's hysterical, can I slap her? No. Right here on So Good We Named It for Hurricane Watch Party Saturday. 
Our thanks to Heather for that hurricane update. Now back to you in the studio, Cindy. But yeah, no, they, they don't really recognize it, but in the industry, it is totally recognized because, you know, to do a commercial, you know, when you're doing record dates, you know, you, you know things take a lot longer. But commercials, when a commercial comes, for example, take the Golden Girls theme song. They, the guy had recorded the instruments that morning. I came in probably around noon sang my sang my version of it it was mixed and it was sent to the production company by the end of that day wow. so everything happens really fast so you've got to get people that when you hire people you hire people that not only are they the best of the best but they're quick you know so you know it's just another way of doing things you know you don't you don't have time for a million takes you know you don't have time for someone to come in there and sing and take three four hours to sing that's just not how the industry works and i think i was thinking about that before you even said it what jingles do they have now and really they have like songs from albums that they use unless that's maybe right. if it's some local stuff you might hear something but the way you know people our age think of all the jingles our kids aren't going to have that one. They're always on their iPads or Netflix or Hulu, but they just aren't out there. And I think that was a big part of my childhood is the different songs I hear on commercials. And that's just not a thing now, which is sad. But at least we have YouTube. Thank God for that. Or we would never hear those ever again. Do you ever go and look back for some of your old stuff just to see if it's out there? Well, I don't so much, but I have other people that will post it. I'm always having someone post, you know, you know something that, oh, you know, Either they're older, you know, singers that, you know, are looking at stuff they've done in the past and they put things out there or producers, you know, or someone, what about this? I, you know, the mm -hmm. same, like you remember these things. They're going, I remember this, you know, this was something that meant something to me at the time. Um, part of that, don't you think, is we live in this soundbite world now. I, I went to, a, we went to a wedding in Atlanta. Uh, the beginning of October, and afterwards the Cleveland Browns, my husband's team, uh, mm -hmm. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs girl all the way myself, mm -hmm. but the Cleveland Browns uh, were playing in Atlanta, so my husband and I, and then our son, who was in the wedding, and his girlfriend, we all went to, to see the game, and uh, at halftime they had a young girl who I believe was a runner-up, I can't remember her name, a runner-up for America's Got Talent, and she came out there, and she had a two-and-a-half, three-minute slot, which is what most popular songs fall into that realm. They're usually two and a half to three minutes. And, um, but instead of doing one song where she could really emotionally reach out there and touch people, she did five different 20 sec, 20 <laughs> second snippets of songs. Wow. And I'm thinking as at the same, I understand you're trying to showcase this more broad, you know, reality of that you can do all these different things, but you're not doing anything that anyone's going to really remember because it's just too much, you know, just as people, but that's also part of what we live in, in our Snapchat world, you know, that it's just a little a snippet here, a snippet there, you know, and nobody, people, you know, you have 30 seconds to stand, and we're all guilty of it, myself included, 30 seconds standing in line, you know, you pull out your phone and you start, you know, doing stuff, you know, mm -hmm. we, our, our attention spans, you know, for better or for worse, are definitely shortened by the world we live in today. For sure. Well, speaking of uh, Snapchat and things like that, are you on Cameo? You know, I have a, twice I have written and called Cameo and said what I did, and they just, nobody has ever gotten back to me. How so, because uh, I, I would do that because it's easy. It's not that hard for me. And, and I do love the Golden Girls song because it means a lot. For example, during the pandemic, about two months into the pandemic, 
I get a message on Facebook from a friend of mine saying that a girlfriend of hers um, wants to talk to me on Facebook uh, because her, you know, she wants to talk to me about Golden Girls and that this person is really interesting and, and a friend of hers. And so, you know, because if it's a, a personal recommendation, no problem. And so, uh, you know, I let I friended the, I accepted this friend request. And what this woman wanted was her um, her wife is is an emergency room doctor, and this was four months into the pandemic, and she'd just been working her tail off like all of the you know responders did. And her favorite TV show was The Golden Girls. And they were going to have a big birthday Zoom call for her. And would I mind coming on, you know, and maybe singing a little bit of the song? And I kind of thought, well, this is a first responder. Sure, what difference? You know, I, I'd be happy to do that. So at the allotted time, I come on. And there's probably, you know, maybe 40 little squares. Everyone's in their little square. And all of a sudden, I can kind of see people looking at my the only white face on there which was me going <laughs> okay you know who is this person you know is this someone anyone knows and so that was the cue for them to go i'd like to introduce cindy fee and i came on and i thanked her for being you know someone that was putting herself on the line for all of us daily and uh then i sang the song for her and by the time i was done singing the song you know half of the squares were crying including her you know everybody just got incredibly emotional and and then I, you know, I said, thanks so much. And I got off of the Zoom meeting and I thought, you know, what did that take me? What was it like four minutes of my time to do this? And it meant so much to this person. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of the most wonderful things I've ever done in my life because it meant so much to this person. And what is it? What was it for me? Four minutes of my life doing something that comes naturally to me. You know, I thought that was pretty lovely. And I felt that way about the convention as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that, you know, they're paying me to do this. This is pretty amazing, you know, to, to get up in front of all these people. And I was a fan myself to meet, to meet Marsha Posner, you know, after all these years, you know, you know, and she was able to tell me because I couldn't remember who had written the, you know, who had produced the original session. And I, I don't remember it offhand, but I did write it down. She told me who it was and it was awesome. It was awesome to see this thing, this cultural phenomenon, because that's really what it was, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that it's still to this day. You know, and because for me as an artist, it happened late enough in the process that I've been able to make residuals all these years. Whereas I have a friend uh, who early in his career sang uh, Gilligan's Island theme. And because there was no union contract in place, he made virtually nothing. He made his daily players rate and that was it. And yet that's that show's still on the air, you know, so, you know, it's it's pretty interesting to see how things have changed over the years. Yeah, well, I can't imagine that Cameo wouldn't let you on because there's lots of nobodies on there. So I thought you just had to sign up. I didn't know they had to, like, do all this approval and everything. No, that, well, that's when you go there and you do the process, that's what it says. Write down you know, who you are, what you've done, you know, what you would add to Cameo. And I did all that, you know, and never heard back from them. And, you know, I, and, and, you know, I wouldn't mind doing it. You know, it's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time doing mm -hmm. just because I've still got, I'm still working. I'm still doing music. I've, you know, I've got a life, but, <laughs> but I would certainly wouldn't mind doing that. You know, I mean, cause like I said, it meant so much right. to this one People woman. Would love and, that. Cameo, and it means so much on. to everybody, you know, I mean, at the, you know, at, at my high school 
uh, induction ceremony when we met went met and talked to the kids at the two high schools. That's when it just totally killed me because, like you said, you had done that song. Uh, the high school choir director who nominated through me through my old high school choir uh, director at the high school. He had the kids come out and they and they sang a you know they sang the Golden Girls theme for me. And it was just touching. It was wonderful to see that. And the kids were all excited and all involved, you know. And I mean, and they, you can say partially that it's, that it's, you know, well, you know, a little bit of their brush with fame, but it's also just that it meant, means so much to them and their families. One young man that just tore my heart out came up to me and said um, that his mother had died a month ago and the Golden Girls was his favorite, was her favorite show. And that just, and he, you know, and he was still in his process of grief. And I just thought, you know, what an amazing kid to share that with me, mm -hmm. to be able to come out here and say that, you know, I mean, it, you know, it has a life of its own. And that is a life I've been very fortunate to be involved with all these years. Wow. Well, did you ever get to meet any of the uh, Golden Girls in person? I met Betty White once, and that was at a taping of evergreen you know a show that she played the mother on occasionally mm -hmm. but no um you know they didn't i mean i think that it even surprised them that the show was as big a hit i do have i still have somewhere and i need to pull it out i i'm in between houses because we're remodeling this house and i've got a place in chicago and things are all over the place but i do have my original they did send me an original cast t-shirt all those years ago that i still have Oh. Mostly because I never wore it. That's why I still have it. Otherwise, it'd probably be in rags by now. But uh, uh, no, I never met any of the others. And I wish I had. I mean, they all sounded like fascinating women. Did Betty know who you were, I assume? Uh, when well, when you. I said I sang the theme song, she was like, oh, my God, how wonderful to meet you. You know, mm. and this was long before they had selfies and any of that. Yeah. Or, of course, I certainly would have taken one. But uh, yeah, that's when I met most of my uh, celebrity encounters before selfies. So all I have is stories, no proof. So in that case, I met all of the former presidents, too. Ah, <laughs> um, there you go. There you so go. what do you have? Well, one, are you going to be at the next Golden Con if we have one? And two, what else do you have going on? Because I know you got a lot of stuff other than Golden Girls related. Uh, well, there's a record I'm thinking of. As soon as I'm done with this remodel, which has been, I've been the one we're designing it and doing it all, and it's kind of like a full-time job. Um, there's a record I want to make with a friend of mine in Los Angeles. Um, like I said, I get, you know, I occasionally go into the studio to sing something here or in Chicago. I'm part of a group on Facebook that are all musicians from Kansas City li living in various locales um, <clears throat> called the Cowtown Prophets that we put music out online. You know, everybody goes into a studio, their own studio or a studio where they are and does their part and does a video and that gets that gets, you know, put together and then, you know, released on Facebook. And eventually I'll do a record with them. But just, you know, I mean, you know, just sort of, you know, kind of live, you know, getting ready to do that record and kind of living my best life. That's kind of what I, I say I'm doing now. You know, I live in an incredibly gorgeous place up here. You know, I have a beautiful lake to look at and a lot of really cool people up here. And then all my friends, I go back and forth between here and Chicago. And then, like I said, I had, before the pandemic, I had uh, done a new band in California. We had just done a gig and then the pandemic hit and everything kind of shut down and it hasn't quite gotten back to everybody traveling and doing what they do again, so. But you would be at another Golden Con if asked. 
Oh, yes, I probably would, although I and I have thought about it. I thought, well, now I'd have to do a different show, which is fine. You know, I could definitely do a different show. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, who wouldn't go back? Like I said, it was one of the most lovely things I've ever done in my life. Every single person, you know, and every single person that was there, I thought was great, including all the people that put it on. They were just yeah, wonderful definitely. guys. So well, hopefully yeah. you do come back. We're we're available as background singers and background dancers. Just going back <laughs> out there. Um, but I do want to thank you again for joining us. It has been wonderful to get to know you more, to get to know your story more. And I'm sure the fans are over there probably sobbing listening to this. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining, Kay. It's my hormone. I was getting emotional. It has you, to be you my are, hormones. You are right, Kay. The pregnancy hormones beautiful. got to you. It, it has to be my hormones. It <laughs> Too bad it's a boy. You could have named wonderful. her. Uh, named hey, her emotions Cindy. are a good thing. Wherever they come, from. <laughs> emotions are a good thing. That's all, all right. I think. See y'all later. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, Thank you for being a friend. And as I always say, because we got so wrapped up in singing with Cindy Fee that we forgot to do this and I'm adding it in post and cannot be interrupted because Kay does not live at my house. Thank you for being a friend. Don't forget to give us a rating wherever you listen to the So Good We Named It podcast, whether it's Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google. Also, check out the So Good We Named It Etsy with stickers, earrings, and more. And check us out on SoGoodWeNamedIt.com. And if you want to see us back at the next Golden Con, tell them on Twitter at GoldenConPals and on Instagram at thank you for being a fan. And who knows, maybe you'll see us there. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. What is going on over there? Are you rubbing cotton balls on the microphone? I'm sorry. It was, um, hold on, let me park my car Oh, first. Lord, is a bomb know. about to go off? What is happening? <laughs> oh, my God. Please don't do this, okay? Hold on. Oh, on the road again. I'm trying to learn how to dead. <laughs> I just parked, so don't be All your, your mobile recordings. <laughs> It's um, only like they're few and far between. Don't act like I'm always. I live. First of all, do you live in a, do You live in your what car. What if I live in my car? <laughs> what if I live in my car? Wow, brother, can you spare a jacket? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told me it would cost money to get old, but okay. Uh, so what? What if I live in my car? And with three kids and one on the way, sounds crowded. And two dogs. Ooh, shit. We had a nine-seater, so we all in here packed very tightly. We're close-knit. At least get a slow-moving Winnebago. Man. (laughs) But speaking of the homeless, um, Hmm. I have slowly been, like, trying to declutter and everything so that I can donate these items to this shelter. You know, they want clothes Uh and household items and stuff. Why am I going to have to rent a truck? The fact that I have that much stuff that I wasn't using is troublesome. You can't fit all that stuff in your Jeep? No. I have, like, Why? a lot of stuff. 
<laughs> like you talking about to take it out the storage? Well, I went to the storage unit and like reorganized and packed everything up, and then I got more stuff out of my apartment that I was like, why do I have this? And I've just been putting mm. it in the storage unit so I can just get it all at once. And the unit is pretty much full now, and it's only stuff that I'm getting rid of, and that's a problem. Wow, I should not have very that problematic. Much stuff. Why do you have that much stuff? Maybe I'm a hoarder. Maybe. I think so. Just a little bit. Not really bad, but like, you know, a little. Well, that's why I'm trying to start fresh and just live a minimalist lifestyle. I'm going to have maybe Mm -hmm. two outfits and, you know, one little folding chair that I'm going to sit in. Really just enjoy the world around me. And then go buy more stuff and fill up my apartment again. But exactly, and then you know, just keep make this a repeated cycle for the rest of your life. I mean, you know, not only that, but it's also like a lot of shopping that I like to do, and that's expensive. And I also will be using Thanksgiving, or as I like to consider it, Indigenous People's Day, to go make care packages to hand out to those that are homeless in Chicago. Something that I did for five years straight with my organization called a Little Something, where I raised over fifteen thousand dollars. I did have to stop after the five-year mark because I was not getting a lot of donations and volunteering on a consistent basis, but I do still have some of the funds and I do want to continue to use them, just not as regularly as I used to. So if you would like to donate, yes, you listening to this show right now, you can send a payment to Cash App or Venmo and just put a little something in the description so I know it's not for us. And our handles are at so good we named it. And I can use those funds to help buy some of the items that I'm going to go hand out on Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening and have a golden holiday. Mm-hmm.